0: Hi, everyone. It's Caleb, and I'm so excited that you have decided to spend a few minutes of your day here with me on the Learner's Corner podcast. And today, I am so excited to be joined by Marlena Graves. Uh, and today, we're going to talk uh, some Enneagram stuff and i'm going to get into that more and who marlena is in just a minute but before that i do want to give a couple of quick shout outs and if this happens to be your first time listening to the podcast I'll tell you kind of about the podcast as well and i want to say real quick thanks to garrett oler who does edited editing for this podcast and Sam massey who has provided the music for this podcast and if this happens to be your first time listening to the learner's corner you know Really what we want to do here in the learner's corner is create a safe place to have difficult conversations. Because if you're like me, you've probably realized throughout your life that there are certain people that you could talk with some things about, uh, but rarely is there people that you could talk with almost anything about because you're afraid of. You know, maybe their reaction and what it will be, Um, you'll get a strong emotional response. And, you know, sometimes it's a negative response, Uh, either either anger or maybe you're afraid of uh, judgment or it could just be stonewalling. Um, And it just maybe sometimes it could just feel like it's coming across as uh, hate or very anger or. Um, or it just elicits a lot of, uh, in, in some cases, sometimes this subject can be so difficult that it brings uh, tears and just makes it really difficult to talk about um, certain things. And so here on the Learner's Corner, I really want to uh, provide a safe place for you to listen to some of the types of conversations that maybe you can't find uh, in your everyday life. And so hopefully that the Learners Corner could be that place for you because we really want to create a safe place to have these difficult conversations. And this is a podcast for lifelong learners because we truly believe that we can have all of these conversations that we can learn from anyone and everyone, anyone and everyone and anything and everything. And one of the people that I'm going to be learning from or that we're going to be learning from together today Is Marlena Graves. And if you've been uh, listening to the podcast for the past few months, you know that I'm kind of doing this uh, Enneagram series all throughout 2021 of talking with different uh, types of people on the Enneagram. And we've talked with uh, a couple of different types, I think in threes and twos. And today we're talking with uh, an Enneagram Type 9 and Marlene. And if you're not familiar with the Enneagram, um, I'll list uh, some episodes where we talk more in depth about the Enneagram if you want to learn more about that and kind of what that is. Today is going to be a little bit more of a, uh, an insider episode. And so if you know the Enneagram, you're going to really love this. And if you don't know the Enneagram, just go back in the show notes and you can uh, find more info about the Enneagram and you'll love uh, the Enneagram. But before I jump into my conversation with Marlena, I do want to tell you a little bit about her. And Marlena is a writer and adjunct professor. She holds an MDiv from Northeastern Seminary in Rochester, New York, and is a graduate of Renovare Uh, Institute. I hope I said that right. I'm not super great at the pronunciation game. It's something I'm working to get better at. But anyway, she is also the author of a couple of different books, Beautiful Disaster and The Way Up is Down. And she is a fellow Ohioan, as I am and lives in Toledo. And today she is talking with me uh, about Enneagram Type Nines. And she's recently released uh, through uh, International Varsity Press the Enneagram devotional, 40 Days on Being a Nine, Enneagram Daily Reflections. And so here is my conversation with Marlena about Enneagram Type Nines. Well, Marlene, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today to talk about your brand new uh, devotional, uh, 40 Days on Being an Enneagram 9.
1: Well, I'm super glad to be here with you, Caleb. We're fellow Ohioans, and uh, we talk about the Browns, so (laughs) I'm glad to be here to talk about the Enneagram 9.
0: Yes, I was going to say, we already got the Browns talk out of the way. (laughs) <laughs> Everything. Um, hey, just as just as we're getting started and just as I'm uh talking with everybody of the different types, I love hearing uh kind of your story of how were you introduced to the Enneagram.
1: Well, you know, I remember it distinctly. Um, I could give you the time and the place. Um, I was in New York City for um I said I could give you the time and the place. Now I'm remembering the, <laughs> the name of the conference, but I was at a conference that one of my friends was speaking. Uh her name's Caitlin Beatty. And um, I shared a hotel room with uh, another lady, Sharon Hody Miller, who's uh passed with her husband, Ike, in North Carolina. She's also an author. And we were sitting there and they're like, what type are you, Marley? I'm like, what type of what? <laughs> you know, and they had heard of it already. I had heard about it among some of my, from my writer's friends, from them. Um, I said, I don't know enough about it, you know, about the Enneagram. I'm like, what type do you think I am? <laughs> you know, and I forget the details of the conversation, but- Uh, that's when I started, um, you know, really digging into the Enneagram and, um, trying to figure out what type I was. I can't remember exactly when I figured out a nine, probably not too long afterwards, but it was because of like the fears and your weaknesses that I figured out that I was a nine. So I was like, oh, you know, like the worst part, like the thing that you loathe. That's how I figured it out. Because I like a typical nine. I, I don't know if it's typical, but like I could it maybe other people. I could see a lot of the other things in me. Mm-hmm. And so and I've even had people, you know, that on social media say, are you a four? I'm like, no, I'm not a four. I'm definitely <laughs> not a four. I have some friends that are fours and I'm not putting down fours, but I'm not a four. Someone's like you're a two. I'm like, no, I'm not a two because I don't get mad. I don't require that people like if I do first. No offense against twos. This is not what I mean. But I don't feel like as a quid pro quo, if I do something good for you, I'm not gonna be mad if you don't return the favor. And maybe Mm -hmm. I'm misrepresenting twos, but I knew I wasn't a two.
0: Mm-hmm. I was gonna say, say, say a little bit more of just kind of what the what the process looked like for you for discovering your type because you know I'm sure there there's people who are listening and maybe they're starting to get into the Enneagram or they have this similar experience of I people told me that I was a number and, but I, that wasn't resonating. What did that look like for you?
1: Yeah, you know I had to really read a little bit more about um, the number, um, uh, quite a bit about to figure out that you know I'm not a two. Um, so I thought maybe I'm a two. But I really figured it out like, well, before this, but um, you know, Ian C- Morgan Cron and Susan Stabil's book, The Road Back to You. Um, I figured it out before it, but I mean it sealed the deal. Um, because I I figured out like I was more like a nine-eight, a nine-eight. Well, let me tell you about though a little bit more about the details. Um, I always wanted to make peace with people. I reflected back on my life. I remember when I was like uh, four years old in California, you know, childhood mm-hmm. memory. And I remember like nine and 10 year olds throwing stones at each other in the park. And I'm like, stop, you're going to hurt each other. You know, why would you throw like they were fighting? Mm-hmm. And I was like, when I saw someone people being hurt, or I saw like anger towards one another the two groups, I'm like four years old and telling them to stop, you know? And then when I was, uh, Third, uh, 13 years old in eighth grade. I remember another situation. For some reason, I don't know if I was, I was late to gym class. I can't remember why. But when I came in to get to change into the locker room, I saw a bunch of girls, you know, kind of huddled and girls screaming at each other and going, people yelling, fight, 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 you know, that kind of thing to yeah. each other. And, you know, calling each other bad words. I knew the girls. I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you guys being so... Me towards each other, you know, and you know, they're gonna slap me too. And they were like people I knew. I'm like, hey, let's, and I'm, and to myself, I'm thinking, why are you all just standing around while they're fighting and they're swearing at each other and saying awful things? Why don't you do something about it? So I was like trying to bring, you know, reconciliation among them. And, you know, they say nines are peacemakers and diplomats. Um, Another, and this is reflecting back, another reason why. Another some other hints that i have a nine is that uh, I just get along with so many kinds of people. Like mm-hmm. I, um, and, and a, a thing about nines is where you can see, I'm like, Oh, you have a point. You have a point, you know, like I can see the good points that um, people made a uh, make. Now that doesn't mean I stand for everything or that nine stands nines mm-hmm. stand for everything. But I'm like, if someone makes a good point, give the brother or sister credit, you know, give them credit for what good points they make. Um but when I was, I would say more emotionally immature, maybe as a high school or college student, um, this is a one of the weaknesses of nines is that you know, you don't want to rock the boat. So you don't say what you think. You, mm-hmm. like, you know, because you want to have peace and you don't want um to bring conflict. So if I say to someone, well, I don't really agree with you, or I, um, you know, I think that's wrong. Or another thing is I sometimes didn't even know what I thought because I was so, what they say about nines, you merge with people. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, if I'm a crowd of people, I'm like, oh yeah, that's totally cool. Uh, that's totally cool too. But what, it, what do I like myself? And I think as I have matured, um, age doesn't necessarily mature you, right? But maybe as I've suffered and I've gone through stuff, I've finally been able to say, no, you know what? I see why you like that. You appreciate that God works in you there. Like, for example, denominations or things. But I, I can see the goodness and that's good for you over there. But this is the kind of person I am now. This is what I think is the best way um, about, for me, at least to live. And well, you know, I think this is right about some controversial issues. So I think that's been very freeing. But some nines are like, I really think that sucks or you're being a bully, but I just don't want to cause conflicts. So I don't want to <laughs> tell you. So, um, the reason, the way I found out that I was a nine eight, um, and Suzanne Stabile, who's also the editor of the value volume. And you know, they said nine eights have the most, uh, what did they say? The most conflicted. They're the most conflicted of the Enneagram because a nine eight, um, I don't know if you've,
0: You'll probably talk to, yeah. Yeah, you'll yeah. talk
1: to Sandra Vano still probably, uh, she's writing the uh, volume on the eight, but, um, I can't speak a lot for eights, but they, I think they're challengers. They'll say, Hey, mm-hmm. you know, so within me, I have a challenger and I have a peacemaker. So how does that work? Right. That's the tension. And so to, to wrap up your question is so, as I said earlier, when we talked about, I talked about like the high school locker room or when I was four years old, like if people are being bullied, um, anywhere, like, I don't care, I'll say something, even if it may, you know, even if it's gonna, um, and I could go on and on how I've done that my whole life, um, at work in, um, situations around the, uh, you know, conference table or whatever. like number one, I'm a woman, <laughs> you know, number two, like, you know, when things go against you, I'm like, I'm not scared. If I have a thought about, uh, how to do something right, or if something's going down that I think, eh, not so much, I'm not scared to speak up, but I think what makes me a nine is, and, um, Ashley Hill, she's another writer said that she's like, I think she said like, I'm a furry firecracker or something. Like I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm a firecracker, but. Someone else told me, man, you said some strong things, Marlene, some really, um, you know, strong, true things in uh, uh, podcasts I was on recently about racism. Mm-hmm. But you said it so much with grace and love. And I said, really? Because I was lit up inside. <laughs> so even though, like, I feel like there's flame inside and I'm um, like, you know, I see some injustice happening. People still think I come off with grace, but thanks be to God, because I. I don't, I don't think that's all just being a nine. I also think that's cultivating the fruit of the spirit. And for that, I give thanks. But it's interesting to me because the fire I feel inside, I guess, doesn't always match how it comes out. You know, it's, it's not harsh, I guess. But that's the eight, the challenger, where I'm like, hey, if there's an injustice or something going on, and I think that's part of the wing one, a little bit to justice that you, that I'm. I have like this boldness, I think, that comes from the Lord. Like sometimes people call me a prophet, you know. Um, but I think that comes from the Lord when I see something I know is right and wrong is being done. And especially if people are being quiet about it, I'm like, what? So mm-hmm. that's kind of how I figure out how I am. But I always want to make peace. Um, and I guess I am conflict avoided. Uh, but I think another way that I know that I'm nine, when things get really stressed out, I withdraw. Like I start to withdraw a little bit.
0: And then wait till I can go
1: back out and face it.
0: Yeah. Can, can you talk about it? Maybe uh, is there a moment? Because you, talk, you talked about, you know, st- standing up for people. And you mm-hmm. talked about speaking out against the injustice. And just as you were saying, there's the, this conflict of, like, you don't want to ruffle any feathers. You don't want to create the conflict. And yet you still stand up. You mm-hmm. still speak. Can you remember the the time or the maybe the series of moments that it was like maybe there isn't one, uh, but where you realized, yeah, I need I need to do this. I need to stand up, I need to talk about whatever the thing is that helped you get past the 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 decision to stay quiet, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. You know, I feel like, like I said, I've always pretty much stood up for stuff, but here's where I was like a little, I worked in an environment where they're like, women can't teach men. Like, I mean, there's different views on stuff, but they're like, women can't teach men ever. I'm like, "Ah," you know, uh, um, I just wasn't comfortable with it. You know, I'm like, I think you're wrong. Let me do my study. Uh, But I think there was a time where I was like, not going along to get along because i always spoke up but i didn't come right out and say no you're wrong man <laughs> you know you're wrong i i mean uh, we have priscilla teaching paul scripture right yeah. and so now people are disagree whether they can hold office but i'm talking about people that say you know like women can't teach men anything i'm like you are so wrong cuz <laughs> i know church history yeah. so don't even get into it with me but i think before i was like uh there was a time where i was like you know, let them hold that view. And, you know, because that's um, what they came to, but I'm like, have you really studied it? Or is this just what people are telling you? And so there was a time in that kind of um, situation where I was like, no, I'm going to, I see a lot of women suffering and um, um, actually maybe 11 or I'm sorry, not 10 years, maybe nine years ago, I wrote something about it for uh, Christianity Today, but you know, like for example, here's the the concrete example I'll give you. I knew a man whose uh, teach, or I'm sorry, whose spiritual gifts were like hospitality and service, and his wife was preaching and teaching. Now she wouldn't have been, you know, in that kind of environment. He was put down, seeing as feminine or less of a man, because those are like our spiritual gifts, and she's put down as a woman because she has the preaching and teaching gifts. I'm all like, listen. Uh, you know, even if you're in a church where you're like, you know, just, you you don't want women to be the senior pastors. Okay. We'll set that aside. Women should be allowed to use their teaching and preaching gifts over men. And that man, you should not put him down because he has the gift of hospitality and service because gifts aren't gendered. So that was a time where I was a little bit more, um, in the beginning, I was a little bit, know i didn't want to just you know cause trouble i'm like if that's what you think but then i saw a lot of hurt that went with it so i'm like no i'm gonna pick a side on this one you know i wasn't like gonna please i'm like no i'm gonna stand up and say i think uh minimally women can teach over men theology or bible please don't um you know, like Beth Moore teaches men, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, don't even tell me that you can't hear from a woman. That's ridiculous. And so I let my own uh, mind be heard on that. Um, But for a while, I was a little bit like, oh, you know, this is what I think inside, but I just will try to stay away from it. But I couldn't because I kept butting up against it. And I mean, even Roman Catholics and Eastern Orthodox let women teach. Some let them preach on Sunday mornings. And they're more conservative overall than, um, uh, well, I shouldn't say they're more conservative, but on some things, you know, they're more traditional. So don't even tell me anything. <laughs> There's my eight coming out. There's my eight, Caleb. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, I I've been asking everyone uh, this question: How would you describe the type nine? <sighs> I
1: well, it's hard to not describe the type nine from my own perspective
0: mm-hmm.
1: but the way i see type nine from me is like i want everyone to flourish listen you don't uh um another little conversation we were having earlier like you don't have to agree with me for me to want you to flourish in fact yeah. you can come out, out on a different point of view unless it's like horrible or heinous or like against human rights you know yeah. it's something but you don't have to like the same politics although i have opinions about that right uh but I just want you to flourish. You don't have to agree with me for me to want you to flourish. Um, and that's hard to know if that's like part of the fruit of the spirit and also type nine, but I'm like, and also type nines, like I don't have to pick a fight about everything. I could nines let some things go, you know, a lot more things go, maybe sometimes in our weak spots, but I would say wanting others to flourish in the life that God's given them. I would describe that as a type nine, as a Christian, right? Um, and, uh, and also I would concur with, um, the stuff that I've read. I didn't know it, but they're like, nines are like mystical and spiritual. I'm like, well, that's been my whole life. So that's how I've been. And so, yeah, okay. We are those mystical people that seek closeness with God and think it's possible. Um, and,
0: you know, want that for other people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, you you mentioned something that, uh, and I don't think this just applies I don't think it just applies to knives, but I would love to hear your advice on, you know, you said that you just don't make like an argument out of everything that you learn to let things go. And I think that's something that but depending on your number, that could be a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> and so I would just love to hear uh, any any thoughts that you have that that help you just be able to let things go,
1: yeah. I mean, you know how I I've talked quite a bit about injustice. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't usually let that go, but right, I can't from my own perspective, I can't jump on everything. There's only certain things that I could do. I'm limited. Um, and like for example, you know, I've s- seen stuff lately that makes me upset. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, oh, so-and-so said something about it, you know, and I live it, and that's another thing. Like, I'm really strong about living back my life backing up what I say. If I'm going to say something about immigration, I better be living it, right? Or whatever it is. Um I can't live everything, but I think that makes it stronger. But letting things go, um you know, I often ask myself like, okay, what why am I saying something about this? Is it just to show someone they're wrong, <laughs> you know, and there's maybe some types that struggle by more. They like to like you know, is it more about ego? Uh am I uh, just jumping in there because I want to have the last word and sock it to you or something, which is very not yeah. <laughs> Um So I do think it's important for our own well-being. Um, we don't have to say something about everything. And especially, especially if you know a little about it, you, you should say, <laughs> like if you don't know yeah. about the subject area, you might have, a strong feeling about it, but have you done your work? Do you know about it? I see a lot of people saying stuff about stuff they don't know anything about. It's very clear uh, in some areas where I know more stuff about it. And so that's also, I'm like, I don't want to just say something to say something. And I do ask, is it worth, um, this is one thing I think is very important. I am not going to dehumanize you, even if I, you know, I should say back up. I should say I don't want to dehumanize you. That's like my, my worst nightmare. Even if I hate what you're espousing, I don't want to dehumanize you and um uh disfigure the face, uh the image of God in another person, even if I despise what they're saying. I really take uh Matthew five forty four to uh love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you seriously. And it's something very hard to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, unlike social media and even in person. And, you know, I do have people that attack me for some of the things I say, uh, or or that I stand up for. And I, I'm like, I'm not going to do the same thing they do to me, but it's also a mental health. There's no way that you can address everything in the world, right? We are limited and finite people. And the only reason we have this barrage of information is because of social media, which is good, but it's also bad because there's no way that we as one person can address all the issues in the world. You know, I cannot save the world. God can. So I'm trying to figure out where he would have me work besides in my local area. Mm
0: -hmm. Man, that's so good. Uh, I want to ask another thing that uh, is, tends to be true of a lot of type nines is empathy as well. And you've, you've kind of uh, alluded to that without necessarily saying it. Um, And again, Empathy is a, is another thing to where, depending on what type you are, it's not something that comes natural. And so what, what thoughts do you have on that? Or what, I mean, I even love like the questions that you included on how to, how to not let something or how to let something go. Do you have any like things that help you become more empathetic?
1: Yes. You know, like when uh, referring to what I just said about people that might come at me differently or or situations I know nothing about. I try to ask myself, you know, uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2, um, be transformed by the renewing of your mind because this is your act of worship. Uh, I try to think, okay, this person's saying this or this person's doing this or this person's in this situation. Uh, I'll give a real concrete example um, about asylum seekers from uh, uh, Central and South America. Mm -hmm. Why would people and I've spoken to them in person. So I have a lot of experience. Why would they leave everything to come to a different country? Most people would rather stay in their homes. <laughs> you know, could there be something that I'm missing? Are they just trying to bother people in the United States? Mm-hmm. You know? So I start asking myself questions is, did the United States play some role? <laughs> and now I know they do in this, you know, in a uh, uh, uprooting governments. Yes. That's a concrete example for a very controversial, to some a controversial issue, not to me. But yeah. another thing is people that take the opposite stance that I do on that. I'm like, okay, I try to ask myself to be empathetic. Is that, okay, why are they doing this? Do they have some reason? Um Maybe they've never been proximate to people that have suffered, and that's what I use a lot of times. I think, well, they just have never met anybody, or in that situation, or maybe they're just another way I think of empathy. I think what they're what certain people are doing is wrong, but maybe they just feel really bad about themselves and want attention. You know, so I try to put myself in other people's position. It doesn't mean that I um I ultimately say, hey, yeah, that's right. I don't necessarily come down and say what they're doing is right. But I try to remember that they're human beings. And I'm like, okay, why would someone that seems smart and intelligent or not even smart, kind, say such things? You know, what is, you know, if I can understand maybe where they're coming from, I can offer them the grace that I hope people offer me. Um, But the least empathy I have, For uh, to be honest, Caleb is for people that are in powerful positions and are hurting the people that Jesus made a beeline to. I really have to try really hard. I'm like, "Eh," because I my first inclination is, is this a power play? Do you have someone lobbying you? You know, because you're coming with a really anti Christian stance, and so that person that I think is acting as an enemy to the vulnerable, maybe to me can be the hardest for me to have empathy for, but I try to talk myself through that, Romans 12, one and two, because Jesus tells us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute uh, us, and I would say other people. And I know that if I don't try to empathize or, or search for the humanity in them, then I could be guilty of wrongdoing by mistreating them too, not on the outside, but in my heart.
0: Yeah, well, I I think you just hit, it, hit at the point that honestly, it's been something that, uh, it's funny that you talk about the love your enemies command, because that's just something that I've been reading through mm-hmm. recently. And it is it is crazy to think about uh, when you just take it to the context yeah. of like what Jesus was speaking to in that. Because I think we all have like our, our version of like, well, that's a nice thing to do. Or yeah. he's not really talking about like people who are persecuted. And it's like, oh no, he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, one one thing that, uh, or another thing I would have loved, love to ask is um, what are some things, and again, uh, I'm kind of generalizing here, but what are some practices uh, that you've either, either have discovered uh, in your own life or, um, or uh, just through your research that have been really helpful in life-giving and healthy practices for type nines?
1: Yeah, usually, you know, I think it was Dallas Willard that talked about probably not the only one, but disciplines of omission or practices of omission and practices of commission. So Eddie and Graham's nine, like, listen, it's easy for me to go out in solitude and silence and nature. I, I do not need to practice that. I mean, I should say not practice. That is like my go-to to be out by myself in nature, to shut myself away from the world. So for me, I have to be like, okay, I have to do disciplines of engagement in my life as a nine, um, like to stay present you know, when I'm exhausted and just want to check out. I mean, again, you might not know that from my visage and talking to me, but inside I'm like, okay, this conversation's gone way too long and I'm, I'm, I'm tempted to check out, um, you know, or I'm just not interested. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So awful, right? Like, you know, but I'm like, nope, you have to, um, and that doesn't happen very often, but I'm not going to go into detail what it has in my life, but, um, uh, so, or like, you know, my daughters will ask me, can we keep playing this? I'm like, I'm so tired of playing this. There's something I'd rather be doing like reading or studying or something, you know, <laughs> but just engaging and staying present or like a long, arduous conversation. Like my husband is a philosophy professor and he, it's just, you know, people say I'm logical, but I'm like, you've never met my husband. (laughs) Like he lays it all out, you know, um, and he can give really good arguments and details for that. Sometimes I'm like, man, it takes a long time to get down to where we want to be. Can we be done already sometimes? Not because he talks a lot, because he doesn't, but it's just like the nitty gritty hard work when I would just rather like, sum it all up and tell me at the end, you know, (laughs) like do the hard work for me and tell me at the end. So the disciplines of engagement, um, I think whatever they might be study, um, uh, being practicing the present moment is really important for nines. I think, you know, not like letting your mind, uh, you know, go to the past or the future imagination, but being right here in this moment. Like I am with you and I, I am fully here right now with you. Um, I think that's really important for nines. And that is the most important for me, not to withdraw when it gets um, internally withdraw. Again, it could be, you might, the person might not know, but to stay present, I think is the strongest for me, but like going out on hikes in nature and, you know, having margin in my life, that's what I drift to like sabbatical type things and retreats even though I don't have a lot (laughs) right now, obviously with COVID, but even in my life, because I'm really engaged. I'm a PhD student. So I've been like, okay, I'm doing my, you know, I always do my homework and it can be exhausting but stay right engaged into the present. I think that's probably the, um, uh, another thing I would say is to some nines, you know, we're all on a different spectrum. They don't speak up because they don't want to rock the boat. I would encourage nines to speak up or, you know, to do that thing that, is hard, but that you know that you should do, but you're wondering what other people will think, take that next step because it's going to make you, and I think the world stronger. Mm
0: -hmm. What are, what are some things that if you're not a type nine, you probably don't know these things about type nines?
1: Yeah. You know, sometimes I, I think it's, people say that threes and maybe eights. I don't know. Sure. What the leaders, uh, you know, who are the Enneagram leaders, but I think nines can be really good leaders. Um, You know, I've been on staff at churches and different things. And like I told you, I'm not scared to speak up at uh, staff meetings or whatever. Um, But nines, um, you know, again, they want everyone to get along and they want, I think everyone to flourish. But I think nines could be really good leaders because of that. Um, Because I don't know if it's just me, Caleb, or if it's others, but I feel like I know how to delegate, like, I could tell who's good at what kind of stuff. I'm not going to give someone that's not good at it the wrong job. So I think nines have that kind of intuition. Um, They can sense people's personalities and their giftings. Um, And so I think they're good at like putting the right people in the right places if they're not scared, right. If, if they're kind of a mature nine. So I think one thing about nines is that, um, they can make good leaders and they should be given that opportunity Uh, because they don't always say like nines aren't going to run over you. Like, especially if you're like talking to an eight, right. They're like, okay, whatever, you know, just, you know, they want you and they don't always, what's the word, assert themselves Mm -hmm. um, or say, Hey, I think I'm good because like, I know me, I think, well, is that bragging? Is that being, you know, prideful or something? But so being good leaders, another thing I think about nines is that, we often feel unseen, um, and I've read too that uh, nines are often underappreciated uh, because they don't rock the boat or make their opinions known, and that could you know backfire on them because they they're so desirous to please and you know make sure everyone else is okay that they don't assert who they are. Um, so they often feel unseen, um, and one thing that I, I don't know, I guess this is confession time, but, uh, as a nine is that like, I'm not in people's faces. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't feel like I have to be in your face, but I'm going to come at you sideways. You're going to be surprised. (laughs) It's like a sneak attack, right? It is a sneak attack because, uh, I mean, this is kind of stupid, I guess, but like, you know, I remember when I was, um, in college this is a prime example or whatever um you know some of the guys, some guys in my philosophy classes where i met my husband they it, my husband was not one of them or some people like to wax eloquent to like you know and share and um uh like display their intelligence and their you know whatever wittiness i'm like mm-hmm. you know whatever I'm going to show you by my good, you know, like, you know, like I'm going to show, you're going to see it, but I, it's going to come at you sideways. Cause I don't have to put all my cards on the table right now. It's not like I'm trying to be tricky, but I think that I like to prove myself by my work. And so that's not always really showy. So I'm me and another nine might not be like the most showiest people in the room, but then you might be surprised by the gifts and, and the stuff that we have, you know, so Like, oh, like, um, what do they call it? Not the the dark horse in the race, but you know, the person that comes up like with the, I don't know, field goal touchdown (laughs) and you never expected it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You're, you're right. That's a dark horse. Yeah.
1: So I think like, okay, go ahead be that way. I'm just going to be, you know, like the turtle in the hair. I'll keep flying along and we'll see what happens. (laughs)
0: Oh yeah. Um. What what are some things that uh, unless unless someone who is a type nine is really paying attention to uh, may go unnoticed in their life? or some things that they do to where it's like, hey, you don't realize the effect that this thing is having on other people?
1: Yeah, uh, you you know, do you mean as how nines take it? Like,
0: uh, um, I'm I'm thinking of more of like we talked about for the person who is not it, who is in a relationship with a nine, mm-hmm. uh, some things that they need to be aware of what what would be some things that nines may need to be aware of in terms of their relationships that they may not necessarily be aware of?
1: Yeah. Um, like one of the reasons, one of the reasons that our, our vice is sloth, um, which is lack of love or neglect. It might be like, if you're withdrawing as a nine, you might be guilty of neglecting the people that you love, like whether it's making the phone call or paying the attention that needs to be paid to the people around you. And you might be just oblivious to it because you're so kind. You don't think, what can you possibly be doing wrong? It's because you're not um, engaging in certain things, you know, for example, uh, this is just a made up example, right? But um, suppose, you know, um, you know, my husband's with my daughter at a, basketball game and, you know, she has practice every so often. Suppose I'm like, oh, la di da la di da oh, I pick her up like half an hour late and do that repeatedly. You know, she might be like, mom, can you show up on time? Now this doesn't happen because I do show yeah. up on time, but you could neglect because you don't, as a nine, you don't think it's a really big deal. And just because a nine doesn't think something is a really big deal doesn't mean other people don't. And so that In order to love people, we have to, um, like, we generally receive them for who they are, but about the details, right? Like, if my husband says, you know, I would prefer this or that, even though I'm like, oh, it's no big deal to me, I need to pay attention to what he says. I need to make the effort to uh, do what it takes to show people that they're loved. Mm
0: -hmm. Are there any stereotypes about the nine to where you're like... This is, this is unfair. This isn't true.
1: Yeah. You know, when they say sloth, people think like physically, physically lazy. Um, and I'm like, there could be some lazy people out there. But like I said, a second ago, it's like, uh, I was like, man, I grew up cutting wood. I'm always working. You know, I am always working, uh, you know, whether it's on my stuff or in school. Um, sometimes I think I work too much, but, I think this that I think that's unfair. Um, I think that stereotype that you could be lazy. I think that, and this is part of the partly the nine's fault. Like people are like, oh, that won't bother them, you know, because we're so easy going, and there's stuff that hurts the nine until they, if, if you're close enough, they blow up, you know, because they hold it in so long. Yeah. Uh, but I think people need to ask nines. Like it's really important for a a listener if someone's listening they're not a nine or they know a nine just to say hey like what do you really think about this does this bother you if they say oh it's okay you might have to circle around one more time (laughs) because the first time is like like yeah i don't want to bother you but i think it could also be like people could have the thought that yeah they just nothing bothers them they're fine when really we could be pistols inside
0: (laughs) yeah uh what what have we not talked about the nine that you wish people would know any, or any other thoughts that you have on the type nine?
1: I think I think with as with any any Enneagram number, that every person's different, right? The Enneagram is a tool to help people to better know themselves, but every nine is different. So, or every person's different, any every number. So we can't like make this huge label and pigeonhole someone so they can't climb out of it. Um, you know, we grew up with different parents, different places, different languages, you know, but I think I I would like a vote for nines to be, um, more appreciated. (laughs) I think the fact that they're, you know, that they're so easygoing that they can be underappreciated. And also this is like a really, um, superficial thing that I read about nines and I write about it in my book but like um people are like oh nines are like such plain dressers I'm like who are they talking about are they talking about like they're not talking about people of color nines because <laughs> you know like yeah. I, I I don't I care about liking what I'm wearing to demonstrate what I my mood today right mm-hmm. and so I uh, <laughs> so superficial, but they're not always just plain. They're not always plain because yeah. they say nines are plain people. I don't, I don't think that's necessarily true.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, one, one final question that I want to ask you is how are you different from learning about the Enneagram and doing the work to just grow in, in health in your type?
1: Yeah. What I like about the Enneagram uh, and apart from any, the Enneagram is telling the truth. Um, mm-hmm. I always say, and, Uh, I mentioned Dallas Willard earlier, Dallas and other people have said this, the church should be like a, a, you know, tell the truth. And so what I like about the Enneagram is it can force you to face the things about yourselves that you didn't want to face that you don't like, but generally could be true about you, uh, not specific necessarily. And that it could help you grow. Like when I face, my vices and my sins and my passions and just admitting them instead of retreating from them or ignoring them because I don't like them as an I, mean, I just don't want to think about it. Um, I think it could help us move forward. I, you know, the Enneagram is another tool for seeing ourselves, and I think when we could see ourselves rightly, um, you know, again in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew six twenty two, the eye is the lamp of the body. If the eye is dark, how great is the darkness? But if the eye is there's light. How great is the light inside of you? And so, I think the enneagram helps do that.
0: Yeah, and Marlena, I know that people are going to want to pick up the book, especially if they are a type nine or they know someone who is a type nine. Um, where's the best place for people to pick up the book, and where's the best place for people to go to um, learn more from you as well?
1: Yeah, um, you know what? You could pick it up anywhere. You know, University Press, probably. Amazon, but I would give a special plug for Hearts and Minds book, an independent uh, bookstore in Dallas town, Pennsylvania, that I have an affinity to Byron and Beth Borger. And so anywhere it comes out February 23rd and you can find me, um, find stuff about out about me at marlanagraves.com That's marlanagraves.com You'll find everything you need
0: there. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on the podcast today.
1: Thank you. It was a joy.
0: Absolutely loved getting the chance to talk. Talk with Marlena. And one of my things that I've really taken away from that conversation is what she talked about of just learning to let things go. That's not something that comes naturally to me. And so that's something that I've just been trying to practice more on of what are the things that are truly worth engaging in? What are the things that are worth my time, my energy, my effort? What are the things and what are and on the opposite end of that, what are the things that aren't worth that? What are the things that aren't worth, you know, continuing the conversation with? Because you just maybe, maybe you just know, hey, in the larger scale of things, I'd rather pick and choose my battles and choose my time and place on something that means even more and is more important to me. And so, uh, if you enjoyed this episode, or maybe you got something similar, maybe maybe that was your takeaway, or maybe if it was something else for you, the best way to make sure that you don't miss any of these conversations and miss out on any of other of those types of insights is by Uh, subscribing or hitting the follow button on Spotify or any other podcast player you use. And all of these podcasts will automatically show up in your podcast player feed. And we are getting up there in episodes. I mean, we're just over 200 episodes, which is uh, just crazy uh, to think about. And so also leave a rating and write a review of the podcast. That would be incredibly helpful as well. And if you enjoyed Marlene's book, go pick up 40 Days on Being a Nine. The link to that will be in the show notes. And as I mentioned earlier, we're going to be talking with uh, each and every single type. Uh, and so those episodes will be coming up throughout the rest of the year as well. Thanks so much to Garrett and to Sam to help me make the podcast awesome. Thank you to Marlena for being on the podcast again. And thank you for choosing to listen and spending part of your day here on the Learner's Corner. My name is Caleb Mason. And until next time, keep learning and keep growing.